0: Fadeaways and Fundamentals. I am your host, Andre Pirano. Today's guest, Drew Hallen from Pure Sweat, joins the show. We talk hoops, talk life. Let's dive right in with Drew. Drew Hallen, welcome to the show, Fadeaways and Fundamentals. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for being here, man. So uh, let's just dive right in if this is all possible. Is that Cool.
1: That's perfect.
0: Right on, brother. So, hey, Drew, um, I know you were the CEO of Pure Sweat, and you grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, played basketball there, uh, went to Belmont University. Can you elaborate a little bit on your high school and college career, please?
1: Yeah, for me, you know, I went to uh, high school Webster Groves. Um, we were fortunate enough to win a state championship in 2008, which was a goal that, you know, a bunch of my teammates and I set when we were... You know like sixth graders all playing on the same team it was pretty cool because uh the core group of the state championship team um we all played together um you know in sixth seventh eighth grade and then all the way up through high school and so uh for us to come together and and win a state championship for uh you know for our coach coach blossom um, who's one of the best coaches in the country in my opinion the best coach in the country and, and my biggest mentor um it was really special and Um, you know from there I end up going to Belmont University where I played in two NCAA tournaments my junior and senior year Um, we had a really good really good squad won three regular season championships and then uh, two conference championships so uh, you know two tournament bids which was which was awesome obviously as a little kid you you dream about playing in the NCAA tournament and um, you know, also got to play at Duke. We lost by one point at Duke my senior year. That's how we opened the season up. We played at Kansas when they were number one. We played at Pittsburgh when they were number one. So, um, you know, had a really enjoyable high school and college experience that, uh, you know, got to, you know, got to experience a lot of cool things that I that I dreamed of when I was, you know, younger growing up and um, was fortunate to, to accomplish those things.
0: That's awesome. One, one thing that I really admire about you um, is the fact that, every day you shot a thousand shots and you say that all the time you, you say that all the time about you shooting a thousand shots a day and what gives you that drive and how do youth players and high school players get that grit now
1: you know i think that's something that i was just kind of my parents uh you know instilled in me when i was when i was younger um you know whether it was me running a lemonade stand or me cutting grass or shoveling snow whatever kind of time of season it was um, you know I, I just was always a guy that um, you know my parents preach hard work and, and if you want something you got to go after it and get it and um, you know I knew that uh, there were two ways for me to get a a scholarship to college and that was one academics or two athletics and um you know i was fortunate to to be a good student um you know a straight a student with maybe a b sprinkled in here or there and um you know so i could have went that route but uh you know I, I just fell in love with the game of basketball and, and really wanted to uh you know play in the ncaa tournament and, and you know when i was in when I was younger, I knew that, you know, there were a lot of other people that were maybe more, you know, that were taller than me or, or more athletically gifted than me. And so I had to find a separator uh, to, you know, not only catch up with them, but to also pass them up. And so, uh, you know, my my advantage was, uh, you know, my work ethic, my my leadership, my IQ, all the kind of little intangible things that, that I think are very controllable, and uh, instead, of, instead of kind of dwelling on the things that I wasn't, I wasn't even six foot tall, I wasn't the most athletically gifted, et cetera, et cetera, I just kind of pushed those to the side and locked in on the things that I could control, and one of those was, you know, making sure that I outworked everyone, and uh, you, you also develop a confidence when you know that you're working harder than the guy guarding you. Um, you know there's a certain confidence swagger that comes with it and, and it allows you to perform at a high level when you're when you're competing against them
0: absolutely yeah i love that um now going into college you know you're a fi- you're five what 511 511 yeah Yeah, so you're my height We're, you're 511 you know you, you're playing against you know very high level players they're absolutely taller than you are you're probably the shortest guy on the court um was there You know, you you already said um, that, you know, you admire your coach. Was there any advice that he gave you going into Belmont? Was there any? What was that now? Did he give you any um, really cool advice?
1: No, I mean, not really. I mean, uh, honestly, it's it's one of those things you can't control your height. You can't control. Uh, There's a lot of things you can't control in life. And and if you kind of try to figure out ways to – um you know hack that it's gonna it's gonna waste a lot of time instead of just focusing on the things that you can provide and so for me i just tried to you know provide value by uh you know being a leader in the locker room and on the court being an extension of my coach um you know making sure that i got guys in the gym and, and, and encouraged them to work hard with me i uh, made sure that our team chemistry was great and then when I was out there, I did what I did well. You know, I, I had a high assist turnover ratio. I took care of the ball. I was smart. I was making good decisions. And then when I got shots, I, I knocked them down because that's what that's what my role was. And so I, I think that's the biggest thing. In the day and age that we live in, everybody likes to nitpick and, and pick apart all – everybody's weaknesses and instead of you know really looking at the strengths and finding out ways that you know they can provide value and and that's all it's about is is finding ways that you can help the team you know contribute to winning and ultimately Mm -hmm. contribute to building a good program that's gonna uh, go way beyond your your years there and um, you know at Belmont uh, you know I think we left uh, Big Hedgebeth and I were, were the same class we left as the winningest players in Belmont history and uh, the senior class that I was a part of, Zach Gradle and I uh, left as the winningest high school players at my high school and so you know that's what i'm after i'm after wins and i think that there's you know there's a lot of individual awards that that will get broken and um you know and i always encourage you know the players behind me to to go after them and try to break all the records or things that we've left behind because uh that's what it's about it's about bettering the programs that you're a part of and and if you really believe in that and and really do kind of put your ego aside and, and go all in um you know i think that
0: everyone's going to have a lot more success that's really cool. Now I know that while you were at Belmont you were doing skill training and I believe that you already had your mind up in high school to be a skill trainer. Um, how did that how did that come about being in high school? I mean shoot in high school, most kids that I know and including myself, man, I didn't know what the heck I wanted to do.
1: Yeah, it was actually crazy. I mean, uh, it started the uh, the full story is uh, kind of I wanted to be a referee at a local gym because referees got paid eighteen dollars an hour. Okay. So again, you know, me trying to trying to hustle my way, and you know, as a um, you know sixteen year old making eighteen bucks an hour would have been you know like a dream come true. And so I went up there. I tried to be a referee. They said, you know, you don't have a referee license, you don't have any experience you know, I hit him back with a, a smart joke and I was like, you know, hey, listen, I know I can do a better job than the refs that are reffing me. and me and they laughed, but they said, you know, why, why do you want to be a ref so bad? And I said, you know, it's 18 bucks an hour and, uh, you know, I need a, I need a new car. You know, my car only starts half the time and I, I need to buy a new car. And so um, the guy that was in charge of the facility said, um, you know, hey, listen, you're, you're one of the best players in Missouri. You know, my son looks up to guys like you. I'd love if you could, uh, you know, if you could coach his team and so i was like perfect you know i'll definitely coach his team and he's like and i'd give you 18 bucks an hour to do it i was like oh man i'm in and so um you know i said one other thing i said as part of this deal i want to be able to work out in your facility and he said anytime we have an open court you're welcome to work out we'd love to you know the kids to see you working hard and so sure enough i'm working hard and then, like literally the next day uh there's two games going on and i'm on the third court court facility and i'm working my butt off and a parent from one of the games comes over and said you know my son doesn't get it he doesn't work half as hard as you you know can you can i pay you to kick my son's butt and put him through the workout you just did he said i'll give you 20 bucks an hour i said man i just got a two two dollar pay raise here we go and so you know i started training that kid uh matt baker is his name and um and and the rest is history i mean i just fell in love with it you know i have Two, my two biggest passions are helping people and, and basketball, and so I was able to combine those things. I wrote a book my junior year in high school, just a drill book to, you know, show everybody around town what I was doing to kind of make me a, a successful basketball player. And um, then when I was in college, I started working out a bunch of college and NBA players, and um, you know, word of mouth spread, and and now I'm able to to do what I do on a on a global basis.
0: That's awesome, dude. Now. Now, being a skill trainer, um, what's like your philosophy from making a player go from good to great?
1: I mean, it's really easy. You just lock in on the things that are going to make them successful. I mean, so the first thing you have to do is you have to identify those things. And, and that's where the strategic part comes in, where you're watching film. You're, um, you know, you're talking to them. You're talking to their coaches. You're talking to anybody you can to make sure you get a, a sense of the big picture. And then you start breaking it down and get kind of – Writing down everything that you can do to help them out, and then you got to prioritize it and decide what matters most, and um, and then just attack those those different areas in in a uh, purposeful manner, and and you know add little things to your game that uh, you know show up in games, and eventually over time, if you add enough little things, it it becomes big changes, and big changes leads to big improvements, and big improvements leads to big contracts, you know, and that's and that's what we're after. So I think that um, a lot of people try to jump from good to great and they think it's a leap where the truth is it's it's a bunch of small steps you know i mean sometimes like almost tiptoeing um you know but you just got to trust the process and believe that eventually it'll pay off
0: right on now is there a difference between training um male to female do you feel there's there's a difference
1: no there's really not i mean obviously you have to use it Whatever person that you're working with you have to understand them and understand how to communicate with them because everybody has a different language that you have to speak to them but um you know i trained my sister actually she was probably my best client ever and wow. when i say that what i mean by it is she was a gymnast you know she won a couple state championships um and she did gym and gymnastics all the growing up and as an eighth grader she was in their summer after seventh grade she year she decided she didn't want to do gymnastics anymore because she was gonna have to move away to to try to go um, train for the olympics and uh, she didn't want to kind of give up her entire life for that and so she you know decided i'm gonna quit gymnastics well she's obviously now entering her eighth grade year so that summer um you know again back to the hey you're gonna get a scholarship either academics or athletics she said you know i want to try basketball out had never played basketball before and um then, you know, she trained with me all the time. We trained every single day, played one-on-one. I was super tough with her. She would shoot in the mornings with me, everything. And um, you know, sure enough, two years later, she was offered 10, 12, 15 full ride scholarships. Um, just after, you know, playing basketball for, for less than twenty-four months. And so um, she ended up going to St. Louis University. She decided to stay close to home, but she had a ton of success. Um, you know led the Atlantic 10 and three point percentage and um, I mean she did a ton of great things and so uh, I think it's a it's one of those things where a lot of trainers or coaches uh, they they maybe take it easy on girls because they think that you know they might be more sensitive or have more feelings but the truth is I mean girls the, the girls can handle the same things guys can sometimes you have to speak to to guys in a different manner than you do, you know, girls, and obviously you have to build a relationship before any communication works with any athletes that you train. But uh, no, I was—I'm just as tough on girls as I am guys, and I'm just as tough as on kids as I am pros. I mean, for me, it's there's there's uh, you know there's my way to do it, and, and I found out that the way that I use works, and and so. You know, it's not for every, every player. So a lot of players, you know, don't like being in the gym with me because they're, they're not ready to be that serious, that intense and, and get after it uh, with as much commitment as I am. But if they buy into kind of the way that I've developed over the last, you know, 12 years of training, um, they're, they're, they're guaranteed to get results.
0: That's sick. Now, I know that you're like, you, you know, I, I watched you train a young guy yesterday um, with the camp that you and Ryan did. Um, here in San Diego and you put this guy through a five minute training and the guy was just exhausted. And so in that, do you preach and tell them like, obviously to hydrate, um, eat clean, um, strength train. And even the, the biggest thing I think is uh, recovery with sleep. Um, do you preach that to all your players? You, you train or, or no, you don't even, you don't even touch that
1: yeah i mean there's obviously you want a complete player i mean it's one of those things that like if, if you had you know um you could just focus on your engine and your car but you you had flat tires the car wouldn't go very much and if you focus on just the tires and didn't have a good engine the car wouldn't go at all so it you know you have to have the whole package you have to have um you know, if you want to maximize your career you have to maximize every little aspect of the game whether that's um you know the nutrition aspect whether that's the recovery aspect whether that's um, you know, the strength aspect, whether that's the basketball aspect, whether that's a mental aspect, whether that's maintaining healthy relationships and friendships off the court, because, um, you know, a lot of times I always say when slumps are occurring on the court, it's because something's going on off the court that has nothing to do with basketball. Um, you know, all those things matter. And I think that um, if, if you really have a bulletproof kind of, um, you know, full circle of those things, then uh, you're going to give yourself the best shot at, at becoming the best player as you can possibly be
0: yeah i mean i I mean i I have the pleasure of, of coaching uh two club teams with my son and my wife is a you know as her profession she does meal prep so we eat very clean in this house um my we're both into strength training so my son does that as well um but it man it just seems really tough to get kids in this day and age to buy in to to that part that's yeah, why it's
1: tough, but that's also the reason that, you know, one or 2% play college basketball because only one or 2% are willing to do those things. You know what I mean? And, right. and the truth is a lot of people, whether they're basketball players or they're just people in general, they, they say what they want, but they don't do what they want. And I think that's the biggest thing is, uh, you know, your actions are going to tell us what, what you really want. And, uh, you know, most people just – they say they want to play college basketball and they say they want to be a great player and they say they want to maximize their potential, but they don't do things to accomplish those things, so they don't really want that. You know what I mean? And, and your actions are going to show your priorities. And um, I think that, uh, you know, more, the, the more the kids can, can kind of figure that out at an early age, the better they're going to be in, in basketball and in school and in life in general.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. N- now with, with how you are, I, I know that I've, I've listened to you, um, on the Pierce Sweat and I know that you guys, you and Alan are always touching base on the importance of watching film and, you know, through that podcast, you know, my son and I, I don't, I don't have synergy but we sit down and we watch a lot of film breakdown with YouTube. And so what I try to get him to watch is I, I try not to have him watch the ball. I have him watch off the ball stuff. So where they're lifting or drifting or where they're cutting to the hoop, um, setting um, pin down screens. Um, how important is film breakdown, even at a youth level? How I mean, how important is it?
1: It's super important just because it's a way to teach without, um, you know, beating up your body. I think that we talked about recovering and everything like that. Um, You know, we also talked about the intangible things, but uh, the smarter you are, the more the game slows down. And the slower the game is, the quicker you can make decisions and the better you can make decisions. So... Um, you know for me it, it, it's kind of like preparing for a test you know you never go into a test you know without studying and it's basically you, when you're studying film you, you're just basically getting the answers to the test before they happen so you know when different coverages are thrown at you uh, what your reads are and, and you can start putting everything in a progressive manner instead of just going out there and kind of guessing and um, yeah, I'm a big advocate for film I think that uh, you know there's there's a ton of truths in, in film and I think that um, you know whether you're watching yourself or watching others you can you can always steal something from it
0: Wow, I love that dude wow. drop the mic right there man <laughs> with the test <laughs> I Love oh, I that that, that was so dope now. Let me ask you this. I'm 511 as well um, um, I have a little bit of muscle on me, so um, <clears throat> If I was playing against a guard a little bit smaller than I was I was all about the post up now for some reason, and I could be totally wrong, it seems like the post up for guards is kind of like fading away, other than like CP3. I mean, I, I see CP3 doing it, but not many other people. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just because analytics, uh, I mean, there's no, big guys don't even post up anymore just because of the analytics. So everybody's trying to shoot threes or get layups. And most of the time when you post up, um, you know, you end up separating to the mid post, and then from the mid post, you end up shooting a mid range shot. A lot of teams are going away from that. So, um, you know, I think it'll the, the game of basketball always evolves. I think it's constantly changing as teams are starting to shoot more threes and get to the layups more. Um, you know, teams are starting to defend those things better, and so the mid range is becoming more of an open shot, which means it's becoming a better shot and yielding better numbers. So, um, you know, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, Hakeem Olajuwon, Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, LeBron James, even for the first part of his career, I mean, they've all won championships in the mid-post and mid-range, and so, um, you know, there's still an art there, I think, that just Steph Curry changed the game with, you know, him and Clay Thompson and all those guys firing so many threes up, and, and teams not being able to guard them. but uh, the truth is, you should just go to wherever your strengths are, and you know, for the Rockets and for uh, Golden State, that's obviously shooting a lot of threes for teams like Philadelphia, you know, as they continue to progress. You know, one of my guys, Joel Embiid, such a beast down low, uh, you know, they, they'd be dumb to go away from him. So I think you just got to play your strengths, and uh, obviously if your strengths do favor, uh, you know, analytically, then it's even better. But um, I think that that's the biggest reason is because teams are trying to go away from the, the twos, the mid-range
0: twos. Nice. Okay, okay. I feel that. Now, um, with everything that's gone in your life, I mean, it seems like you're a hard worker, um, very blessed at um, what what's going on in your life right now. But if everything was um, taken away, everything is erased, what are three core values you would leave behind?
1: You know, I, I think uh, I always say there's one little saying that you need to, the three Fs and the three Bs is kind of what I need to be happy. This is my personal thing. And the three Fs are faith, family, friends basketball business and i always say a boo you know somebody that that you love eventually and and uh i've learned on kind of as a as a joke a while back but it's kind of uh it's played true so i would say you know remember the three f's more most importantly and then for me personally the three b's but faith family and friends are the most important thing in your life uh number two would be um you're never going to have everything you want but you're always going to have more than you need and that's just kind of just be grateful because, uh, you know, we're, there's obviously always going to be somebody, you know, that has something that, that you don't have that you want, but you always have more than you need. And, um, I think the last thing would be, uh, somebody out there is praying for your worst days. You know, that the days that you think that you're having a bad day, uh, you still wake up and I have a roof over my head and I've got food and I've got shelter and I've got, uh, you know, people that love me. And, um, so even if, you know, I get cut off in traffic or have an accident or, uh, you know, you lose a client or, or you, you you lose, you know, you lose somebody in your life that's important to you. Um, you know, all the things that you have going well for you are still things that somebody out there is praying for. And there's uh, so many people out there that, that do have, you know, real struggles. And so those are those would be my three Right.
0: Wow. I like that, man. I like the three S. That's that's really cool. That's deep. I like that. Now, what's your um, what was your favorite player growing up watching?
1: Michael Jordan.
0: <laughs> Mine too. Um, what was your favorite Michael Jordan shoe then?
1: I'm not a big shoe guy, to be honest with you. I was never a shoe guy, so I mean the only the only shoes that I really remember, I remember that uh, that it's funny the Gary Payton gloves
0: oh, were, yeah.
1: were the first shoe that I ever spent over a hundred dollars on, and it was back in the day when I was playing that I would. Literally, I I would wear them. I would wear them. I put them back in the box, and the box would go back in my backpack. I mean, that's how how precious the hundred dollar shoes were. They're like hundred and thirty dollars, and so um, you know those those were those are the shoes that I remember the most. But um, yeah, I wasn't a big Jordan guy, probably because I didn't I didn't like spending money on shoes. You know, i just always wore <laughs> whatever whatever I could afford. And and when I got to high school, and ever since high school, I've been sponsored by a shoe company. So. Um, you know, I've been fortunate to get shoes for free, so I just wear whatever they send me.
0: <laughs> hey man, I, I ain't mad at that. If if Adidas was sending me free shoes, I'd be rocking those things all day long. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> now, what's the favorite move you like to teach or situation?
1: Um, to be honest with you, it, there's not anything. I mean, I, the one thing that I'm really passionate about right now is teaching guys how to hesitate because I don't think many people know how to really teach a hesitation. I think a lot of people just say you know like hesitate, but it's there's there's an art to it. So. That's kind of what I'm into right now.
0: Yeah, I, I was watching you do that yesterday, man. I, I thought it looked really nice. And I love the fact that you gave the analogy of, like, slap your um, hands together, like clap, but stop, and then, like, feel it flexing. Dude, I thought that was heat.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of times where it's, I mean, it's basketball training is trial and error. You know, if you try things enough, you're going to find things that work. And things that don't work, you throw out the things that don't work, and you you keep doing more of what does work and, and eventually you, you get it down to a science.
0: Absolutely. Now, um, two, more, two more questions before we get out of here. Funniest situation in basketball, whether you were training somebody or it was you guys just playing, whether you were in college or high school, was there ever any a funny situation?
1: Any funny situation with me?
0: Yeah. Well, or you or you're training anyone? Um, just anything in general.
1: I mean, I think the only like, kind of funny story I have training is, uh, you know, there was there, there was an NBA player. I'm not going to say who the NBA player was, but there was an NBA player that um, when I was 19 years old, uh, their agent set, set it up for me to work them out. And um, so I showed up at the workout. You know, I was there early. I was sitting on the, on the blue jeans, you know, kind of uh, waiting, waiting for the player to arrive. And he arrived, you know, like maybe five, ten minutes before. Um, before the workout was supposed to start, and uh, he got his shoes on, but he was was on the other end as me, and, you know, I was still, I was 19, so I was letting him do his thing, I was like, right, you know, once he gets his shoes on, I'll I'll go over there and introduce myself, and, um, you know, before I could introduce myself, he kind of, uh, he walked down, I had a basketball, and he was like, yo, buddy, he's like, mind if I uh, borrow that ball, um, you know, until my trainer gets here? And uh, he just thought I was like a little fanboy, I guess, because I was 19 years old at the time, and I was like, you know, I am your trainer. And he was like, oh, my phone. He's like, I had no idea. You know, he's like, how old are you? I was like, 19. He's like, man, that's crazy. He's like, I don't, I was over here just chasing girls around and partying at 19. He's like, you know, he was an NBA vet. You know? But that's the only funny thing is, you know, when, <laughs> when you start so young, um, you know, there was a lot of times where I showed up to places, or you know, there was a time where I was. You know, doing. Um, you know, I was training some NBA guys, and we went to a bar, and I got ID, and I was like, I literally had to look at the guys. And was like, hey guys, I'm not 21 yet. They're like, oh my god, we forgot about that. So, um, yeah, there's been a bunch of like little funny stories when I was younger, but uh, since then it's been pretty straightforward.
0: <laughs> right on. Now, um, last thing. Any advice you can give anybody that's on an emotional roller coaster, whether they're injured. Whether they're they're not playing because of grades, um, what what can you do to kind of get them a little kick in the butt to kind of get motivated to, to get back on that horse?
1: Yeah, I mean the first thing is get over it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> as as blunt as that is, I mean, um, you know, I think I think the other thing is that people just gotta understand that they they control their lives. And I think when people stop, you know, pointing fingers, stop blaming others and and realize that they are 100% fully in control of their emotions, their actions, and their actions lead to obviously their results. Um then they're going to have a chance to make it. And I think that too many people talk about doing things and don't do it. Um, you know, I think too many people talk about their feelings instead of getting over them and getting past them. And too many people, um, you know, blame others instead of just figuring out other solutions, uh, to the problems that they're having in life. And so, um, you know, get over it and understand that, you know, you control your life and, and, um, it's, you're the only one that that can uh you know make yourself happy or or make yourself sad and it's it's all a decision that you make internally and so um you know it seems like a pretty easy choice to me if you get to choose whether or not to be happy or sad You choose happy if you choose to be successful or not successful I would choose success, but that means if you want to choose success, you have to do the things to become successful. Um, you know, it's just life is full of choices. And I think most people just, uh, spend most of their time contemplating what they want to do and talk about what they want to do instead of just going out there and doing it.
0: Yeah. Like that. Get it right. Get it tight. <laughs> well, Hey Drew, thank you so much for being on the show, man. Um, I can't wait for people to listen to this. You drop crazy heat, crazy knowledge. um, just threw in all kinds of assists today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, my man. Thank you, sir. I'll talk to you soon. All right. See yeah. you.